All right. It's always interesting when we do these video announcements from time to time, it kind of throws everybody into a loop. And uh, we're like, wait, wait, what are we supposed to do? Um, but we try to do that. We have three campuses, and we try to stay connected from time to time by doing our announcements that way. Um, so that's good. Uh, and speaking of announcements, they're talking about doing home groups, sign up for home groups. Um, we're, um, we're just that good. We're, we're way ahead of them. And um, so I just want to, you know, <laughs> don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but let's just take a moment and think about how good we really are. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we, we, we're not doing home groups per se, we're not meeting at homes, we're meeting here on Thursday nights, and so uh, we have two groups running, there's a guys group and a, a ladies group, and uh, when we did that, we doubled our Thursday night Bible study numbers. Uh, there's like 195 women uh, in the quad on, uh, no, just kidding, not that many, but there's like 30 plus ladies in the quad, you know, so you walk in there and it smells really nice, you know, and there's a lot of talking going on. And then us guys, we're like in here, and you walk in here, it smells like a locker room, you know, it's just these guys, we're all like, you know, the three of us, no, just kidding. There's like, you know, 12, 14 of us, whatever. Um, so anyways, love to have you come. Uh, that way you get to know people in our church, uh, get to learn some uh, more stuff about who God is. Like, for instance, we're going to be covering some stuff this morning that uh, is uh, really kind of mind-blowing. And it's hard to be able to cover all of it on a Sunday morning, so these Bible studies helps us get a little more in-depth. Also, I want to remind you to mention the Connect class. Um, so we'll be holding a Connect class next Sunday, and that's just a class right after the service. We provide lunch, child care, all that kind of stuff. We talk about what, you know, who Grace Point is, uh, what we do, why we do what we do, uh, why we look the way we do, and um, we... Um, also, if you want to be uh, involved in the sense of membership, then you take that class as well. But you don't have to become a member, but if you do, you want to be able to take that class. Uh, but it's just a great time. Meet some people, eat some good food, and um, I talk. And we try to get you out of here uh, before two hours are up. All right, so we start at noon. We try to get you out of here before two o'clock. Most of the time, we do that. Unless there's a bunch of questions, which is great, because we love having questions. So in Ephesians chapter 3... Paul has just finished up, the Apostle Paul has just finished up talking about this incredible God that we have and all that he's done for us in salvation and all the different um, ramifications that salvation has, not just in our lives, but really in the world as a whole. And he gets to this point where he's going to shift gears. He's going to go from doctrine and theology to how that looks in our lives. You know, so it's the what and then the so what. You know, how does it impact our lives? And he says this, he says, Now to him, talking about God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. He's trying to get the point across. This is amazing. This is unbelievable. According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so he's... he's going to be talking about in this letter, these six chapters that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks, about this amazing stuff that God has done for us. It's something that is beyond our wildest dreams that we couldn't even imagine for ourselves, if we were left to ourselves, what it is that God has done and can do in our lives. So turn to Ephesians chapter 1. It's page 1169 if you're using the Bible there in the chairs. Um, but we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. 
And it has, contains some of this incredible stuff that God has for us. But let's just take, for, for one uh, example, let's just take biblical Christianity. And I call it biblical Christianity because there's some Christianity that's out there that's not what the Bible teaches. Um, but this idea of biblical Christianity, the, the teaching from the Bible that this all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite God who when he, uh, he existed, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, existed by himself, fully complete and happy with life, you know? And then he, he decides to create a world and create human beings to whom, uh, and for whom we could have a relationship with him. And then that... He, those humans sin and reject God. And then this God, this all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite God, decides, I'm going to personally die for each one of them so that they don't have to spend eternity in hell. That they could spend eternity with me in heaven and have me in their lives to help them through this life prior to going to heaven. That is abundantly beyond all we could ever Hope or think. How do I know that? Because nobody has come up with that religion, if you want to call it that, that teaching. Nobody else has come up with such a teaching. It's the only religious teaching out there of its kind. Nobody has actually even copied it. So nobody has gone, hey, that's a great concept, because it's very successful, right? There's a lot of people over the centuries, who have placed their faith in Christ. So it's very successful, if you want to go from those terms. But nobody has gone, you know, I like that, but, um, you know, I'm going to go with a different name, and uh, I'm going to come up with a, a couple little different tweaks to it, but uh, it's still going to be that this, this God dies for mankind. If you've studied religion at all, you know there's no other religion out there like that. But every other religion has copied its, each other. It's always about, some way, somehow, that there's a god or gods or something up there that we should be uh, honoring. But that, that, that god or gods or something says, mankind, you need to do something. You need to earn my love. You need to earn my favor. Every religion, including some who call themselves Christian, have that as a part of their teaching. Biblical Christianity is like no other religion. Man can't even think of this religion. Couldn't think of this religion. This is a concept that could only come from the one true God. So we're going to look at some of the most mind-blowing information. If, you're, if you take time to think through this, the guys, we're going through this on Thursday night. I'm, I'm, um, we're basically learning how to study the Bible by studying the Bible. I know, novel idea, but uh, we're, gonna, we're studying how to study the Bible by actually studying the Bible, and we're going through Ephesians because I thought, well, what a good way. We can go through it. We can have it taught on Sunday mornings. You can really kind of get what's going on here. But this is mind-blowing stuff. Did you know, I mean, we hear this a lot, God loves you, but did you know that it wasn't that God loved us first, which is pretty crazy, but that 
He chose us for salvation before He ever created the world. That's what this passage teaches us today. Is that not mind-blowing? Before you were ever born, before you were even a, a, a speck in your parents' thinking, God thought about you, and God chose you to save you. That's awesome. It's mind-blowing. We've got to be careful because we don't want the fact that it's so mind-blowing to keep us from understanding what we can understand about it. We, we don't want to understand God completely, right? Because if, if we did, we would be God. So we want a God who has some mystery left to him, some awesomeness to him. And so we're going to see some of that in this passage, but we're also going to be able to grab hold of some of this stuff and then respond to it in faith and in action in our lives. So here we got Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to go 1 through 14 this morning. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints, that's Christians, who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. That's, by the way, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Him. That's going to show up a lot, so I bolded it for you to kind of grab hold of that. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he just jumps right into it. He doesn't even mess around. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, before He ever created the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of His glory, of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved, in Christ. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through Christ's blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention. Let me just stop here. He's talking about salvation here. Have you seen anything in there where we're doing anything to get to salvation? Right? So far, nothing. It's all about God and what Christ is doing. Okay, I'm sorry. I just had to jump in there. Which he purposed in him with a view to, the, to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In Him you also, one more thing, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. That was a mouthful. In the Greek, that's one sentence. So, you know, studying it out, it's kind of like he just keeps... Paul was terrible with English uh, gra grammar. He, you know, run-on sentences, you know, it would be, he'd be terrible if he was getting grades here in, in America. Or maybe not. I mean, people don't really care anymore, right, about how people write. Just look at their text. But, so we just read some, you know, mind-blowing stuff, as I said before. But we've got to be careful here. 
We can't understand everything God has done, but we can comprehend what we need to comprehend, and we need to respond to it based on what God has done for us. Because everything we just read about salvation is everything God has done in order to make it something that we can have. So the first, we've got two main points. The first one is that every spiritual blessing comes from God. We're going to explain what those are. But every spiritual blessing comes from God. In other words, it's not based on me. It's not based on you. It's not based on what I've done. It's not based on what you've done. At that moment in time when we come to God and we say, God, forgive me my sins, and I'm trusting and I believe you, that when you said that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I believe you and I'm trusting you that that is the truth, and I'm asking you, forgive me my sins, and I, 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 I'm putting my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. At that moment, God forgives us of our sins. He places His Holy Spirit in our lives. And He provides for us all the spiritual blessing, which is what we're going to be talking about this morning. Not based on us, on me, on you, but based on Him, on Christ, and what Christ has done. It's every spiritual blessing. So he says that we are in Christ. He says this over and over and over again in this passage. We are in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved. It's always about Christ and what Christ has done. In Galatians, he, uh, he put it this way, for all of you who are baptized into Christ, that's uh, baptism, or that's salvation, okay? Not, not water baptism, but who have been spiritually baptized into Christ. God's Holy Spirit has come into them at, at salvation have clothed yourselves with Christ. So it's, it's, he's trying to give us a word picture here of, of being, being clothed with Christ, having Christ over us. So when God sees us, He doesn't see us, He sees Christ. And so we're clothed in Christ. We are in Christ. See, the only thing we bring to God is our sin and our brokenness. That's all we have. And God's okay with that. God's not saying, hey, listen, uh, Fix yourself a little bit first before you enter my, my presence. It's kind of like in my house, uh, the living room was kind of like the throne room, okay? And so when we entered the house, we were told, take your shoes off because I don't want you to dirty up the living room. You know, God's like, I don't care. Just leave your dirty shoes on, you know? That kind of thing. He wants us to come. He's not saying take your shoes off and get all cleaned up first before you come into my presence. Come to my presence and let me then take care of the issues you have. And again, this is something that's abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. And how do I know that? Because a lot of people keep trying to do stuff to earn God's favor. But a person who understands this is beyond me, this, is, this isn't about me, this is about what God's doing, we find it a lot easier to come to Him when we humble ourselves and realize that. And then he goes on, he says that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That world. The word chose there means exactly what it means. He chose us. He picked us. He, he, he brought us to himself. It doesn't mean foreknowledge. It doesn't mean God knew as because he, he knows all things. He looked into the future and knew who would come to him. It, it really means that he chose now, for some of you guys, you're already going, okay, whoa, 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 wait a second here. That's, uh, you know, 
predeterminism, you know, that's, uh, that's, there's no free will involved in that. And if you're thinking that way, that's good thinking. You're, it means you're awake this morning and you're working on that. We'll talk more about that in a, in a moment. But he, he chose us to be holy and blameless. And again, that's, that's salvation. Okay? I'm not, again, I'm not going to get into all the words today. But holy means to be set apart for God's purposes. Blameless means to be without sin. And so he's talking about our salvation. That when, when God saves us and God's Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we are set apart for His purposes from that point forward. And in His eyes, then, we are blameless. We are without sin because Jesus took care of that for us. So we have a paradox. The paradox of salvation. Now, if you know what a paradox is, it's not two doctors standing next to each other. It's, uh, oh, you got, I got a laugh out of that one. I thought that would be like, oh, that was a terrible one. You know, so it's not a pair of doctors. It, a paradox is two seemingly opposite truths both being true, okay? And so we have that here because we have the Bible teaches that God, in this case as we've read it today, before the world began, chose, picked out for himself those who would come to him in faith, Okay? The Bible also teaches, so it was of His free will, which we read about, but the Bible also teaches that salvation, there's a, there's, the other part of it is we have to come to Him and out of our free will. So that's a, that's a paradox, right? Because how could God choose but me also choose? It doesn't, how does that work? I don't know. I know I'm pretty smart, but I haven't figured that one out yet. I have some thoughts on it that I won't bring up tonight, today, but uh, part of it is the whole idea of God operates outside of time and all that kind of stuff, but we won't go there this morning. Um, but God, God teaches both in the Bible that God chooses, but then we also must choose of our own free will. In fact, if you read through Scripture, anywhere where it talks about God chooses, there's also a verse that talks about us having to choose. So in here, verses 3 and 4, chose and predestined are ideas that God chooses. Verse 13 talks about when you believed, and that's our side of it. Um, and so the Bible teaches both, and for those, um, this may frustrate you, I'm not trying to be political here, but the Bible teaches both, so we teach both. And uh, it seems to be the wisest thing, and let God figure out the details. Because again, if I understood it, I would be God, and none of you want me to be God. So, um, let God handle that. Let God deal with that. We know that God is a good God. We know God is a just God. We know God has it figured out, right? So then the question for us is, have we chosen God? Have we come to Him in faith and asked Him to forgive our sins, and have we placed our faith in Jesus Christ? That's the question for us this morning for those who haven't done it. But when you do that, all the spiritual blessings are yours. And those of us who have done that, all the spiritual blessings are ours. Well, what are those spiritual blessings? Well, he, he basically sums them up in four things. Okay? The first one is adoption. Second is forgiveness or redemption. He uses the word redemption. I thought I'd make it a little easier to remember. Forgiveness. Inheritance, which is heaven. And security which is huge, which is awesome. All these are awesome, but that security, to me, 
I think is um, just an awesome aspect of these heavenly blessings. So, the, so adoption is found in verse 5 and 6. It says that in love he predestined us to adoption. That predestined means to predetermine something. So here again is this idea of election that God is choosing. God is predetermining who it is that he's going to adopt into his family. Isn't that an awesome, just an awesome word picture? That God would adopt us into his family? Hagen, I wasn't going to do this, but we got a short video here to maybe help us think through the process a little bit. It's not from Grammy, but it's, yeah, it's another gift. Why don't you careful open it up. I want you to read it. Read it out loud. My new name will be Ivy Abigail Zizorka. Let's flip it over. I'm going to be adopted? We love you, sweetheart. We'll always be your parents. I love you so much. I love you. You know, I, don't, I don't know about you, but the, the thing that struck me when I first saw that video was I don't think she really cared whether her parents were picking somebody else or not. You know what I'm saying? She didn't go, I wonder if there's anybody else that they could adopt. You know, again, point is, what an awesome picture that God adopts us into his family. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve being a part of that. But once he forgives us, he adopts us. And what that means is that we have all the familial and legal rights of being in his family. Put another way, we have all the familial rights and the legal rights, if you want to put it that way, of Jesus Christ. Not that we become God, not that we become Jesus Christ, but everything that happened to Christ, everything that happened from his ascension to heaven, his glorified body, his ascension to heaven, and now being with God in heaven, we get. So we will be, uh, one day we will have glorified bodies. One day we will get to go to heaven. We will get to be in God's presence right next to Jesus Christ. And we don't deserve it, but we get it in Christ because of Christ. He didn't do it because of anything we did. He did it out of His kind intention. And, and it says, the kind intention to the praise and glory of His grace, that's gift, which He freely bestowed on us, that has the idea of, um, of honoring us. And so he honors us with this. That the, again, not that we deserve it. But that he wants to honor us by freely choosing us and giving us forgiveness. Which is the next thing. In order for him to adopt us, he had to get rid of the sin that was in our lives. And the way he got rid of the sin in our lives is by forgiving it because Christ died for it. And so he says we've, been, we've had redemption through his blood, which is the forgiveness of our trespasses. Redemption, that word redeemed, means 
to, um, to basically purchase a ransom price. So there's a ransom. We're held hostage by our sin. And the cost is someone has to die. That's what the cost is. And so either, if, we, if nothing were to happen, if God would never do anything for us on our behalf, we would be left as a hostage to our sin and we would spend eternity hostage to our sin in hell. But God says, I love them so much, I'm going to make sure that that payment price, that ransom price is paid. And so God the Son puts on flesh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, dies on the cross, pays the price in order for us to be released. In order for us to not only not be hostages, but become a child of God. All because He wants to do that. It says it's according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. What, what that means, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished, God's grace, God is infinite, so every character quality about Him is infinite. So His grace is infinite. His gift is infinite. And He lavishes on us. That, that word means to superbound. It means to be excessive. It means to be over the top. And it means to be far more than we could ever ask or think. And what God is saying to you is, it doesn't matter what you've done prior to your decision whether you're going to accept His gift of salvation or not. It doesn't matter what you've done. God's like, my grace, my forgiveness is infinite. I can cover anything you've done. You're never too bad for God. He's offering this salvation to us and it's infinite. It's abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. He talks about the mystery revealed and, and basically what that is is in the Old Testament, the Old Testament uh, saints, followers of God and the prophets back then, they, they couldn't, didn't quite understand all this stuff. And so... Uh, they were wondering, you know, what, what is this all going to look like and how is this all going to play out and, and who is this God going to bring about and all this kind of stuff. Well, when Jesus showed up, he was the mystery of the Old Testament revealed. He was the secret that was told. Jesus Christ is the one who's going to sum up everything, accomplish everything that God has planned from this point forward. Well, once we're a child of God, then we would have an inheritance, Right? And so the, the third thing we have in the spiritual blessing is an inheritance. We get heaven. And so I don't have to say too much about this. We've obtained an inheritance. We, we receive heaven and all that comes with it. It's been predestined. You know? And so again, he, he predetermined who will be able to be in heaven with him. And it's according to his purposes. It's according to how he's going to work everything out. We don't know when we go to heaven. Uh, we know when we die, we'll go to heaven, but you know, the Lord might return before then. And so there's a bunch of things that could potentially happen prior to that. But God's got it all worked out. We get to go to heaven. We get to be a part of that. And the fourth thing is security. It says, in him, in him also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, gospel of just meaning good news, and it's good news, right? <laughs> I mean, what God's done. Having also believed. So it's not just listening to it. So there's people who come to church week in and week out and they hear it and they hear it and they hear it and they hear it and they hear it. And some people think, well, I must have been saved at some point because I heard it. No, we've got to come to a point in time in our lives where we believe. That word believe means to entrust. 
And so there's a point in time where we've got to say, okay, wait a second, this is, this is God offering this for me personally, and so now I need to entrust myself into his hands. I need to believe what he's saying is true for me personally. I need to say, I am sorry for my sins. God, please forgive me, and I am trusting, I'm entrusting myself into the hands of Christ, that his death on the cross was for me, his resurrection was for me. And when we do that, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, that's sealed. We don't think of it too much today, but it's like a, a king who has a signet ring, right? And he dips it in, he gets wax on it, and then he hits the, the envelope, whatever he's sending out the scroll or whatever it was they had back in the day, and, and he seals it. It's of, his, if it's of his own free will. He's choosing to do this. And, and here's what a seal does for us. A seal authenticates. So God seals us with the Holy Spirit. So it's not just a thing. It's not a stamp He throws on our forehead. He doesn't, like, we walk up, uh, Lord, please forgive me. And God says, you're forgiving. You know, we get a smack on the forehead. We go walking around, you know, days a little bit. It's not like walking into Cedar Creek and getting a stamp on your hand, you know, that kind of thing. Cedar Point. Cedar Creek. Um, well, I don't know. I haven't been to Cedar Creek in a while. Maybe they do do the stamp, you know. Hey, I want to come to this service, and I'd like to go to the second service, too. So I'm, I'm okay. I don't have to give in the offering plate again. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> why, do you, why do you guys find that so funny? Anyways. So, Cedar Point. Um, I could keep going, but I'm not going to. <laughs> anyways, so yeah. So anyway, it's not like you get stamp. It's God. That, would you guys get serious, please? Jeez. It's it's God, the Holy Spirit. God Himself seals us. He authenticates us. He he confirms our relationship with God. Paul talks about this in Romans eight. We won't go there, but he talks about the fact that God's Holy Spirit confirms with our spirit that we are a child of God. And so if we're sitting here this morning, we're like, eh, I'm not really sure. That's God's Spirit not confirming, potentially, that you're a child of God. And letting you know, hey, listen, no, whoa, whoa, wait a second, you don't have that confidence? You know, today might be the day that you need to make sure that happens. It also means ownership. And again, it's, he talks about here, but being part of, you know, we're part of God's possessions. We're His, we're His Children, Scripture talks about you know, masters and slaves that were a slave of righteousness and all that. So it shows that we're owned by God, and that's a good thing. He's, a, he's an awesome master, an awesome father. It talks about authority. So we have God's authority in our lives. Um, so as we interact with people, we have God at our back giving us the ability to do what needs to be done in His name and encouraging people and helping people and that kind of thing. And then Security. It secures our relationship. It secures, or He secures our relationship because it's the Holy Spirit. It's God doing the work. He goes on and talks about the fact that God, um, the Holy Spirit is God's pledge. That word pledge means down payment. So it's, it's in down payment of something that's going to happen in full later on. And so God's like, listen, we're not in heaven yet. you still got the rest of this life to live, but I'm just going to give you a down payment. I'm going to give you myself so you don't have to worry about it. I'm not going to give you anything else to necessarily hang on to. 
I'm not going to give you a baptism to hang on to. I'm not going to give you a church membership to hang on to. I'm not going to give you a certain amount of money you give in your offering plate to hang on to. I'm not going to give you anything that way to hang on to. I'm going to give you myself to hang on to. Peter talks about this in, in 1 Peter, and he says, you know, if we, if we allow ourselves to understand God's Word and to study God's Word and to know who He is, that, that confidence comes. But we have to be in God's Word. We have to be studying God's Word. We have to be living it out and watching God work in our lives. And then that gives us even greater confidence that we're saved. And so if we're not confident, then it, it's a real good chance that we're not spending the time with God that we need. I have no um, concerns. I'm fully confident in the fact that Kim, my wife, loves me. Why? I spend a bunch of time with her, and she keeps proving that she loves me. I have no question that she loves me, and, I, and I'm assuming the same is true for her. I you know, pray that it is. I, tried. I made her tea last night. So. Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> took a while to hit the hot pot, you know, and then I stood there, and then it came on, and I poured it in, and walked without spilling it to her, you know, and, and then I sat there. Yeah. Thank you. Hello. You know, that might have taken away any kind of reward I would have gotten, but. <clears throat> so God has done abundantly beyond all we could ever hope or think. We couldn't have come up with this ourselves, you guys. All other religions show us that we could never have come up with something like this, but God did, and it's awesome. He's adopted us. He's forgiven us. He's given us heaven. He's secured our salvation based on nothing we've done and everything that He's done out of His love for us. That's infinite. And so the only thing left for us is to respond. So that's what our takeaways are. Every week we do takeaways, and what do we do? What do we bring? You know, what do we go from here into our Monday morning with? You know? And so the first one is this: Let God be God, and accept His offer of salvation. Some people I've talked to people. Well, I don't believe in a God who would choose some and not choose others. Okay, you can think it from that angle if you want, because the Bible does teach that. But maybe you should also think it from this point of view. He's offered it to you. You heard it. Do you want it? Because it's going to be a sad day when a person goes, yeah, I don't believe in a God who would choose some people and not choose others. And then you're in hell. It doesn't make any sense to me that you were having that kind of thought on earth. When if you would just have accepted it, <laughs> you would have your sins forgiven, adopted into God's family, and you'd be sitting in God's presence for eternity. Not to mention that he's in your life all during this life to help you. And then if you're really worried about other people and whether God chose them or not, get out there and tell them about the gift that you just received. I mean, how many Christians do we have that sit around, they come to church, you know, doing their whole church thing, and, and then on Monday morning they go out and they're not even thinking about anybody else. You know? Well, let's, let's get our rear ends in gear and let's tell people that we'll, we don't have to worry about whether someone was chosen or not. We'll give them the gospel, the good news, they can decide for themselves. Don't, don't make the fact that God chooses and that we also have to choose and we don't understand how that works, don't let that stop you from receiving the gift that God's offered to you. 
It's, it's, that's just not smart. And it's very simple. It's realizing, man, I'm a sinner, and, and if I don't have help, I'm, I'm going to hell. But God's helped me. God's offered a way out. And it's just telling him, please forgive me of my sins, and I'm trusting what you said, that when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for my sins. He covered my sin. And I'm entrusting myself into your hands. In your notes uh, that you got when you came in, if you grabbed one of those bulletins, I would encourage you to do that every week. I'll give you some notes. There's a little prayer in there. I'm not going to spend time this morning. Sometimes I lead people in prayer. I'm not going to do that this morning. If God's telling you and calling you to himself, you're going to respond. There's a little prayer in there, and you can pray that prayer. The prayer doesn't save you, but it just kind of helps you and gives you the words maybe to say that that might not be um, easily coming to your mind. And if you do pray that prayer, whether it's today, right now, you know, feel free to pray right now. You don't need to listen to me anymore. Uh, pray that prayer. You pray during the week. You know, shoot me an email. Put my email in there. Let me know because I'd like to be able to help you get started in this new relationship. The second is this. Let God, so this is for Christians, let God be God and praise Him for your salvation. What do I mean by that? It's this. I've talked to Christians who, uh, because they've been taught things wrong over the years or they don't quite have an understanding and they haven't spent you know, time in the Scripture studying it out or whatever, that they think that, man, if I'm, okay, so I accepted Christ as my Savior. If I'm driving home from work and I get killed in a car accident, if I don't have any unconfessed sin in my life, I'm going to hell. That would be eternal insecurity. <laughs> um, that, because now you're basing your faith on something other than God. You're basing your faith on you and your ability to live some sort of holy life, blameless life, which God wants you to do, but sometimes, you know, we don't... I mean, imagine all the thoughts you have in a day. Obviously, one of those is going to be sinful, right? Okay, maybe I'm the only one <laughs> that has everyone else. I know you're all We're pretty well set. Um, you know, and so... The, the security that we have is because God is the one who saves us. God is the one who adopts us. God is the one who gives us inheritance, and God is the one who places himself in our lives to secure it. It's not based on anything else, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three doing the work. And so as you have those thoughts, if you're a person who has those thoughts and you wonder, have I lost my salvation? Have I, have I? Stop, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, take those thoughts captive, and just say, the truth of the matter is Ephesians 1. And get Ephesians open and start reading it. And remind yourself again. And every time that thought comes into your mind, remind yourself again. And every time a thought comes in, remind yourself again. You need to discipline yourself. You need to help yourself. The Bible talks about instructing ourselves. We need to be in the Word, the truth of the Word, not believing the lies that come into our hearts. And that's what the whole praising God is, aspect of that. Again, he, He's chosen us before the foundation of the earth. He's done it according to the kind intention of His will. He freely bestowed it upon us, and it's according to the riches of His grace. It's all about God and what God has done, and nothing about us and what we've done. We're going to close the service this morning with communion, and a great opportunity to celebrate what God has done for us through Christ. And um, so I just had to give you some instructions, okay, on this. Uh, we do it a little bit differently. Each time we do, we do things a little bit, change things up a little bit. Um, 
First and foremost, the Bible says that uh, only those who have placed their faith in Christ should partake um, in communion. And so uh, I would ask that if during these next two songs, as we close out the service, uh, that if you're not a follower of Christ, that you would not uh, participate in that. Um, and again, it's about the only thing we ask of people who are not Christians. So we don't want we want them participating in everything we do, but but this. During these last two songs, um, you're going to have the opportunity to come forward. Uh, we'd ask you to work yourself to the center aisle, come down, grab the bread, take it, eat it, um, and then take the cup and drink it, and then go back out around. That way, we don't have a bunch of jamming up going on. I mean, it's all great to have fellowship, but you know, let's not have that here in that sense. Um, so let's just kind of work in this order if we can, uh, if you would do that. Um, I'd like to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's Paul's talking about communion and what we should be doing with that. And then I want to take a, a moment of quiet where we can prepare our hearts um, and then um, go from there. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So I'd just like to take a moment of, of quiet and let you guys, in that sense, examine yourselves and, and make sure that your hearts are right before the Lord and that you're coming to him as a time of remembrance for what he's done for you. And then at, uh, uh, pray after that. And then Caleb and Sonny will sing, and as they sing, um, we'll have you stand and just make your way down. <laughs>